Welcome to the New Life Ministries podcast. Today, we begin the new series from the book of John. The book is a favorite for many people. It easily explains the message of Jesus to those who are unfamiliar with his actual life. Yet there are layers to the book's themes and images that call disciples of Jesus to contemplate deeper the meaning of his life with us. We hope you enjoy this series as much as we are. Let's join Curtis as he begins the first message called For God to Speak. So good morning. Um, I'm at home because I was exposed to COVID because I spent some time with George on Friday and we were talking about great subjects, but neither of us were wearing a mask. So uh, this is my own fault. Um, so uh, this, today, this morning, we are going to begin a new series focused on the book of John. And if you've got a Bible nearby, I invite you to open it up to chapter one. We're going to look at the intro to chapter one of the book of John. If you are joining our service on our recording, good morning to you as well. and glad you have joined with us. So the book of John, as you turn to it, is a great book to explain Jesus to those who don't really understand what he was about. And the book of John is really helpful for disciples of Jesus to to be really clear on what his message was, what the heart of his message was. So as we read it, some of you uh, may enjoy just hearing the text and considering what Jesus was wanting to tell us, but some of you might also find the book of John a helpful tool to read with someone who is new to the faith or is considering the message of Jesus, you know, to get together with them and say, hey, let's read to the book of John over the course of a couple of weeks together. So I do invite you over the next couple of months as we go through the book to read the book of John several times. Um, read it through and, and see what its message says uh, to you. And then also uh, to read the chapter we are going to discuss on Sunday before we get together at our gathering so that you've seen the text and uh, you can already begin considering what is the Lord saying to you? So I hope that makes sense. So today let's look at chapter one. I'm going to read just the intro to the book, which is about 18 verses, and I'll offer some thoughts. So is that good? If, if everyone's good, somebody give me a thumbs up that it's all working well. Someone in the room. Albert, thank you. I can. Good. <laughs> it's very weird preaching to a computer. So book of John, chapter one, verse one. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not understood it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning the light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, nor a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh 
and made his dwelling among us. We have seen the glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him. He cried out saying, this is the one I spoke about when I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Out of his fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. So that's the intro to the book of John. Let's start at the beginning of it. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. So the word for word is logos. I'm sure you've heard that phrase before. Logos is an attention-getting word for the culture that, this, that, um, that John was writing to. It's a word with rich meaning to the Jews and with rich meaning to the Greeks, but with very different meanings to both groups. And it's an attention-getting word. It's like the phrase fake news today or postmodernism. We hear the word, we roughly know what we're talking about, but the specific example can be actually a little bit blurry. If I was to say to you, what is fake news? Well, you might point to one thing and someone else might point to something else very different. If I was to talk about what is postmodernism, you'd be like, well, I've heard that word. I think it means this, or perhaps it means that. But certainly those phrases are common enough to catch our attention. So it is with this word logos. Everybody kind of had a rough understanding of what this word was. So if you grew up in a Christian context, and I was to speak about the word of God or the word, to you that would probably mean the Bible. That would be similar to how the Jewish community at the time thought of the word. The word was God's spoken word given to us in the text. It tells of God's wish or his desire, and it comes with a certain authority because God is the one who gave it. So there's the authority of the word of God. So if you start with that concept, in the Jewish community, they would also add to the, to the fact that it was spoken, they would add that there is action in the word because when God speaks, he does. So when God says, I will, spirit, I will send my spirit to guide you, he does it. When God says there will be a child born, the child is born. God never says something and then decides not to carry through. Like, you know, I'll be there on Wednesday and then not show up. That is not God's behavior. So when the Jews heard, in the beginning was the logos, the word, they understood it to mean the authority of God and the action of God, the activity of God in the world, as well as his message to us in the world. So that's the Jewish perspective. The Greek world, the term, the word logos was tied to ultimate realities, to wisdom and reason and truth. Um, different uh, Greek writers defined the concept of logos a little bit differently, and the word was around for, you know, three, four hundred years. But all the Greek writers danced around the same kind of concept of logos. The logos 
was the main principle of reality, what really is. So one writer said, the logos is the omnipresence, the omnipresent wisdom by which all things are steered. Another one referred to the logos as the created order and wisdom within the created design, or what we might say, the laws of nature, the law of nature. Another one said the logos was tied to how creation was governed. It was wisdom, um, the ultimate truths, and, and the prime driving force of the universe. One writer called it the soul of the universe. And I really like that one. I think that's the clearest uh, term, meaning or understanding of the word logos for the Greeks. The logos was the soul of the universe. And so John uses this word, logos. In the beginning was logos, and the logos was God, and the logos was with God. So I got that backwards. In the beginning was the logos, and the logos was with God, and the logos was God. The soul of the universe, or the spoken word of God. So it was catching everybody's attention. And then John is saying, he's introducing that this soul of the universe, the spoken word of God, is come to earth in the flesh and residing in his creation. So you get a sense of, he's trying to introduce a very large idea with these words. So today, if John was writing, he might choose different words. And all of the examples I have fall horribly short of what John is trying to say. So kind of hear my ideas and then gather them all together. But John, if John was to say, in the beginning was the algorithm, and the algorithm was with God. So the algorithm is the term we call the computer program or the collection of computer programs that track your internet usage and that feeds you suggestions based on what it calculates you might find interesting. It filters your news feeds, it filters your social media suggestions, and then it sells your interests to the marketing, uh, different marketing firms. If John was to say, in the beginning was the algorithm, well, that would catch your attention. And it would also then get you to think, wait, that means the, the algorithm's a sentient being, that it's alive? What does that mean? But it certainly would catch your attention. If John was to say, in the beginning was justice, and justice was with God, and justice was God. Well, if your main concern is about making the world right, hearing that would catch your attention. And it would also then say justice is a being, not just a concept of rightness. In the beginning was the created order, or in the beginning where it was the law of nature, and the law of nature was with God, and the law of nature was God. Well, if your interest was in Earth's sustainability, that would catch your attention. And or if you're wrestling with trying to understand how things are supposed to work in life, and you were to hear that there is a law of nature that is God, it would catch your attention. And it would get you thinking, okay, what is this going to be about? So ask yourself, what are your prime curiosities. What is kind of the, the main focus of your interest? What do you think is the soul of the universe, like the, the guiding ultimate force? 
would you say in the beginning was family or in the beginning was the economic engine in the beginning was shalom peace and prosperity all things working together for the benefit of all in the beginning was the first great opinion allow yourself to consider what is your prime question or pursuit and then to hear in the beginning was the first great of that the first great heart of the human story so john is saying to the audience at that time the great center of the human story the great center of human existence was there in the beginning was with god was god and came to earth to dwell among us and you start to get a sense of the magnificence of what john is trying to tell us in these opening verses the soul of the universe the center of our reason for being has come to earth to dwell in the flesh now for disciples of jesus and we understand that the logos the word is jesus which is what john is going to show us throughout his book and nt wright in his commentary on this passage gives this lovely image that i'd love to share and i'm going to paraphrase so if he's ever listening to this talk and thinks wait that's not quite what i said i'm paraphrasing what he said but nt wright says when i speak a word it is in a sense part of me my word reflects something that i am thinking or perhaps something that i am intending to do you know I'm going to the store. I am angry at you. It, it reflects something within me. That word comes out of me on my breath, on the sound waves that my mouth produces, my throat produces. And yet, once I have spoken, those words have a life of their own. They are carried through the air and you hear them. And then you must consider what they say and how you're going to respond to it. I'm going to the store. I am angry with you. Jesus is the speech, the word of God. It comes from the Father. It carries what the Father intends to say and do. And now that word, the speech of God, has become flesh. It has become human. And then we must consider what it's saying and respond to it. So this is the lens or the framework for how we now read the book of John. The word of God, his intent spoken on his breath has become flesh and walked among us. The ultimate reality, the soul of the universe, the center reason for human existence has become a person and walks among us. Well, like, there are thoughts that follow naturally from this. It would be, what did he say? What was his agenda? What did he want us to know? What did he want to do? Those would be natural questions. And if you sit with it a bit longer, then there's the reverse. What would I want him to know? What would I want to show him or tell him or ask him to look at? And then there would be a flood of emotions. There might be joy or relief or thanksgiving, and there'd be questions. And boy, uh, you might want to express some sadness and you might want to seek some instruction. Like, there's all these responses that come out of us once we understand what has come to us. 
maybe think for yourself sometime. What would you say? How would you respond to the soul of the universe, the speech of God becoming flesh and coming over for a visit? And so with that, John then begins to answer the question, even in his intro, what was the agenda of the soul of the universe? What was the agenda of God's speech? And he answers it in this beautifully subtle ways that you probably picked up on, but weren't sure if you should pick up on it or not. He uses phrases and ideas that remind us of the start of the Bible, particularly the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. So his little 18 verses start with, in the beginning. So the Jews referred to books of their Bible by their opening couple words, by their lines. So we call the opening book of the Bible Genesis. They call it in the beginning. So they are hearing distinctly in the beginning, the book of Genesis. So in the Genesis, it reads, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth and all that is within them. What do we see in John 1 verse 3? Through him, through the word, all things were made. Without, without him, nothing was made that has been made. So John is echoing Genesis chapter 1 uh, verse 3. And then Genesis, it talks about that God, it said that God spoke and God said, let there be light. And so in verse 4, we get in him was life. And that life was the light of men. That light shines in darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. So words of light and dark, those nuances that remind us of that first day of creation where God speaks light into darkness. If we were to go through Genesis, what happens when we get to chapter three? People sin against God. They reject him. What does John verse five say? That darkness has not understood it. We'll, we'll speak a bit more about that in a minute. Or in verse 11, John says that he came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him, which is not primarily about the Jewish community, but humanity as a whole belongs to Jesus, but it did not receive him. So we've got God creating light. We've got words of light. Sorry, we have God creating. We have words of light and dark. We have humans, humanity rejecting uh, God. And then the references continue with uh, Moses and the law. It says that law was a gift or a blessing from God, but now we've received blessing upon blessing or grace to be replaced with grace already given. And to those who receive the word, those, to those who receive the word, they've been given the right or the authority to become the children of God, to be adopted. We have an echo of Israel being God's special people, the people of the covenant. But now with the word, with the logos, they're not part of God's family based on lineage or of a family parental decision or because of a sex drive. Instead, it's, it's not biology, though it's those who are part of God's family are born of God. And then we have the word, the logos, made his dwelling among us, or he tented or he tabernacled among us is what it says in the Greek. So John is stirring up these images to say God, through his logos, through his word, is starting a brand new creation. And all these images from the Torah are being used to say this is a new creation, a new Torah. 
God is speaking a new act of creation. And he's going to work in the world in a new way. And of course, he's not replacing what he's previously said. He's fulfilling it. But we have, there's a new Genesis. We have, there will be a new Exodus. There will be a new way to be part of God's people. There will be a new way to respond to God's salvation that is different than laws. And as we read the book of John, there's going to be a lot of references to signs. Those signs are the evidence of this new reality, this new creation has come. So God speaking, speaking his intent and purpose, his, his speech made flesh to dwell with us. And he's bringing us a new creation. He's restarting. Not he's starting again. No, he's giving us a new way. When you look at the world and when you look at what your heart wishes was made right or what your priorities are, is what John is trying to say Jesus is doing, is it not exactly what we're craving? We have a new opportunity. We finally have the soul of the universe coming to start something fresh and new. But as it says, the world did not receive him. Or in verse 5, the darkness has not understood it. And some translations will say the darkness has not overcome it. The root of the word is to lay hold of or to grasp. They did not grasp. You know when you uh, hold on to something so that you don't drop it, um, so that you keep it? You know, don't drop the glass that's wet. Um, they decided not to grasp what they had. They decided to let it drop. That was the world's response. But to those who receive him, those who believe in his name, he gave the right or the authority to become children of God, to be adopted into his family. So what does it mean to receive him? Perhaps consider receiving somebody, <clears throat> receiving somebody into your own home. You greet them at the door and you welcome them. Or perhaps consider a receiving line at a wedding where the married couple greets each of their guests. It's not, oh, hey, hi. It's, hey, glad you could come. Welcome here. Please come in, relax, enjoy your time with us. To receive is to have an open heart to the other person and often open arms. It's friendship. It's, let me get to know you better. Let me share my life with you as well. This is what it means to receive Jesus. Open arms, open heart, welcome here. It's all of your being embracing who he is and inviting him into your home. This is the logos, God's spoken word, knocking at our door, asking to come in. And some chose not to grab hold. And some instead, with open arms and open heart, come on in. So this sets us up and gives us the framework for the whole book of John. The word of God, the logos, has come to dwell among us. The thought and desire of God, spoken on his breath, becomes flesh to act among us. What would you say to this being? What would you want him to know? And, and what does he want us to know? What does he come here to say and to do? 
And John gives us the first glimpse of that answer. He's come to do a new creation. He's going to act on earth to further his plan in a new way. He's going to make a new way to relate with the Lord. He's going to make clear what is blurry. He's going to further the plan of redemption, a new Genesis, a new Exodus, a new way to be part of the family, a new response that isn't about law. But the world didn't lay hold. It didn't grab hold. But for those who receive him with open hearts and open arms, he gives the right to become children of God. So I invite you to read the book of John. Um, just engage with it. See what it says to you. And for next week, I ask that you read chapter one. You know, start again at the beginning. Just read chapter one. What does it say? What is it telling you about what this Logos is, has come to do? And I invite you to read it with others. Um, what do you learn about this God and his word who has come to earth? So with that, let me, let me open the discussion. What has caught your attention? What do you find really intriguing in this whole idea? I guess just your explanation of this word logos, it just seems like there is so much packed into that one word mm -hmm. and how the people of the day would have heard it, would have read it. Like when John would have written this, like what did he mean by that? And perhaps how much has been lost in our translations and the multiple ways that we use the word word. So yeah, just appreciate just hearing how uh, the depth and the breadth and the immensity of that one word and uh, this God speaking this and then it being coming as its own being and this idea of not just God's word being the sentence itself, but the action that follows up with that, like that Jewish thought of this encompassing when God says he does, like it's kind of one concept. Yeah. Whereas we in Western society, we always, we chop things up so fine to better understand <laughs> each one. And sometimes we miss the, the concept or the, the larger implications of it. Uh, so yeah, thanks. That's great. Thanks. Curtis, for me, just where it says, verse three, through him, all things were made without him. Nothing was made that has been made. And there's so much, there's so many beautiful images of Christ through this whole opening chapter. But that caught my attention because this week I had listened to a lecture a few years old now online by a guy named Neil Turok. And he was a former director out at the Perimeter Institute in Waterloo. That is our premier institute for theoretical physics in Canada, one of the really prestigious places here. And he gave a remarkable lecture about the simplicity of the universe. And it is beautifully illustrated. And you know, now that the James Webb telescope is out there and the mirrors are cooled down to just like this minus, I don't know what degree Celsius, they're ready to take pictures into deep space very shortly with NASA. That lecture was really relevant because of what we're all on the verge of seeing. And for me, listening to the Word of God in Revelations this week, and then you reading this part of John's writing as well, Reflecting on who God is when you understand the large, well, understand, when you glimpse at the largeness of our universe, and I'm going to just take it back there, because 
the heavens declare the glory of God. And if we really don't have an understanding of how large his creation is, then we are missing how even larger our creator is, right? So, so to, to really not understand the magnificence of creation and the largeness of the universe from the very small to the very, very large misses out on who John is describing here. And I, I just think that's phenomenal. Verse 14, and the word became flesh. We have to keep in mind how the Bible uses that word flesh. That Jesus became what we are. Not something above us or anything. It became what we are in our brokenness. And that if that's not true, then there's no way he can help us to deal with our brokenness, to overcome it. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great word. I just really enjoyed the way that you explained um, to receive from verse 12, yet to all who received him and the open arms and just the welcome and buying in. And I just really, really enjoyed that. So thank you. Oh, good. Yeah. It's, it's much bigger than just, uh, I believe. Yeah. Let me offer a prayer and then we'll, we'll do a song. Uh, Father, what John has communicated in this text is magnificent that you as the creator, as the one who has your own will, your own purpose, your own character has spoken and sent uh, your word, Jesus incarnated into our flesh to bring your message, to bring your, uh, to do your, uh, to do your word, to be, to act it out. That's not the word. To live out your intent. It's, it is truly marvelous. Father, I would ask um, that as we as a community go through this book, that you would grow us through this, that you would challenge our thinking, that you would inspire us to, be, to see and experience a new richness with following Jesus. Um, yeah, that we would experience newness with Jesus. And Lord, that we would even um, be sharing what we're learning with others, that, that what John is saying would get so rooted with us that um, we would see the doors that you open for us to share this message with others. It is truly amazing that you have come to do a new creation to give us a new rescue and to invite us into your family in a new way. Um, we really, we praise you. Jesus, I thank you for the clarity of your existence. Um, you didn't come in a wind. You didn't come um, in some metaphysical idea. You came as a person. Um, thank you. And Holy Spirit, thank you that you take what the Father did and what Jesus, who Jesus was, and you knit it into our being. Thank you very much. Lord, we pray this, um, that you would glorify yourself in our midst. Amen.
Thank you for listening to our podcast today. New Life Ministries is located in Winnipeg, Manitoba. You are invited to join our service in person or over Zoom. Please use the Contact Us link to send an email to the church office and request the address or Zoom link. If you would like to use these podcasts as part of your home church or local church gathering, you are free to do so. We do request that you let us know. If there is any other way that we can help you in your ministry, please send us an email.